Hi, I'm Shelley Herman, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. We are once again going to be taking a journey into the world of entertainment here on On Screen and Beyond. It's episode 653 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we are going to be going into the world of uh, writing for game shows, into the world of being a host on an ESPN show, and a page for NBC. All in one person, Shelly Herman is going to be joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. She was a writer for game shows such as Love Connection and Supermarket Sweep. She was also the host of ESPN's Battle of Monster Trucks. And she was a former NBC page. And she's got some really interesting stories to share with us. And she has a new book out. It's called... My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. And uh, you should really get that because it's got some great stories. She's going to be sharing a lot of interesting things with us. So stick around for Shelly coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And I want to thank you all for the emails you've been sending and also kind uh, of give you a little idea of what's going on here at On Screen and Beyond as far as you know, where are people listening? We've had people writing in and say, you know, who, who else is listening? Where are they coming from? Well, I got to tell you, the top five countries, all right, we'll go with the top five countries first. Uh, Number five is Hong Kong. That's uh, right now, this past week, uh, or 30 days, I should say, the past 30 days, uh, Hong Kong is number five. Uh, Number four, Germany, you're coming in at number four. Number three is a tie. We have our friends in Canada and Australia coming in at number three. And number two, the UK is at number two. And of course, at number one is the US where I am stationed. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, no doubt that that this would be the top one. Uh, But that can change, really. But uh, it's just an interesting fact there. And as far as getting into the U.S., what are the top five states that people are listening to on screen and beyond? Well, at number five, Iowa and Oregon are tied. Number four, which at one time, a couple of years ago, uh, they were like number two or something like that, is Florida. And number three is Virginia and New York. They're tied. Number two... We get all those listeners from Texas that are coming our way. And the number one state that uh, is listening mostly to On Screen and Beyond, or downloading, I should say, is from California. So I want to thank all of you who are listening to On Screen and Beyond. And there's just so many other countries and other states that uh, we have listeners in. And I want to thank every one of you for joining us. I hope you're enjoying the shows. Hope you're downloading all the episodes of On Screen and Beyond. Uh, Go and listen to those. And we'll get more people listening to On Screen and Beyond. We can get more people on the show. Right now, it is tough. I'll tell you, we uh, can uh, get people on here. But some of the people who are the actors in movies cannot talk about their past, present, 
or future films. They just, you know, because of the strike and everything, the rules that they've got, they won't talk about any of those. Now, we do get some people who come on and talk about it. It depends on their situations and everything, but uh, it's uh, getting a little tougher here. So uh, we want to, uh, you know, let you know that so you you don't say, you know, why didn't you talk about this? You know, well, I can't, (laughs) or they can't, I should say, not me. I'm not talking about it, but they, they can't talk about their current or past. So, but we've got some people coming on who will be able to do that uh, because of their situations. And I uh, hope you'll keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. And hopefully the strike will end so we can get moving and get uh, some more entertainment for us to watch on TV. They'll get all a, a fair deal, hopefully. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, as far as uh, the past couple of episodes of On Screen and Beyond, the top of the last five episodes, I should say, uh, we've had some amazing guests joining us, so I hope you'll go back and listen to, to those. Like we've had uh, Ken Lerner from the Goldbergs and all kinds of other movies. Uh, he was on uh, four or five episodes ago. Diane Franklin from the 80s, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and uh, uh, all the different things, Last American Virgin that she was in. And uh, of course, we had a special for uh, the passing of Bob Barker when he was on here on on screen and beyond back in 2009 i think it was and we had uh, re- rebroadcast that episode for you and uh, a lot of people are re-listening to that and they really get to know what bob is like he was just so easy to talk to and everything so i hope you'll listen to that one and uh, also vince lozano from pirates of the caribbean celebrating the 20 20- 20th, right? Yeah, the 20th anniversary of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one when it came out. Give a listen to those episodes and even more. Just look back at uh, no matter where you're getting your podcasts, uh, uh, if you're getting them uh, you know, from our websites or going to Spotify or Apple. Apple is where we get the most. Spotify was coming in at number two. We've got Amazon and Podcast Attic is another one that we're getting from Podbeam. We want to thank every one of you who are listening on those, uh, and we hope you'll keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. If you happen to be on Spotify, uh, we also have polls that we do each uh, in every episode uh, you know, that run for about a week or so. And uh, you can do those, and uh, it gives us some information, you know, what you like, what you don't like, as, uh, as far as uh, the different things. But uh, hope, hope you'll check that out. So, anyways, uh, why don't we get into the current episode of On Screen and Beyond? I think it's time to uh, find out what's coming your way as uh, far as remakes, sequels, and prequels, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remakes, sequels, and prequels, well... Director Brad Anderson has been selected to direct the final George A. Romero film, Twilight of the Dead, and that's the last sequel that he will write, of course, of Night of the Living Dead. So be sure to keep an eye out for that one. And The Exorcist Believer arrives on October 6th. The creator of Scream Films says that Nev Campbell did not appear in Scream 6 Due to a salary dispute, but he says he wants her back in future films, and they should just pay her the money. And the Crow reboot will, with Bill Skarsgård may be uh, coming our way very soon. Lionsgate has secured domestic distribution rights for that one. December 15th, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget will premiere on Netflix. 
And that's it for remakes, sequels, and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Eddie Murphy. Well, he's going to be getting us into the holiday spirit. He will be starring in Candy Cane Lane on December 1st on Prime Video. And it's about uh, a man who is on a mission to win the neighborhood's annual Christmas home decoration contest. And, of course, I'm sure all kinds of things are going to happen with that one. And you can look for Paul Dano and Seth Rogen in Dumb Money. It's a film about the GameStop stock phenomena. And keep an eye out for The Dead Don't Hurt. Now, this is a Western starring, directed, written, produced, and music is composed by Virgo Mortensen. He's doing it all. We'll see how that one is. They say it's a really good film. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Hi, this is Dr. Demento, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. Movies on TV and DVD and streaming. Godzilla Returns on 4K Ultra HD on October 24th. Swan Princess, far longer than forever. Hits DVD on October 24th on digital. It'll be here on September 19th, and it's the final film in the Swan Princess story. The 30th anniversary release of Rudy comes to 4K Ultra HD on November 14th with an all-new director's cut. And that is it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and entertainment time. TV and entertainment time, well, it looks like Winona Judd will host Christmas at the Opry on NBC on December 7th. In early 2024, look for Clive Owen to star in AMC's Monsieur Spade, which brings back Private Eye Sam Spade. And Goosebumps will premiere on Disney Plus and Hulu on Friday, October 13th. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to sit down and we're going to go behind the scenes of an NBC page. And we're going to talk about Carson. We're going to talk about uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Jimmy Stewart, all kinds of things. Shelley Herman is coming up right here on On Screen and Beyond. Our guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an Emmy-nominated writer who wrote for game shows such as Love Connection, Supermarket Suite, Balderdash, and more. And she was co-host of ESPN's Battle of the Monster Trucks and Mud Bog Spectacular. And she was a former page at NBC. She has a book out called My Peacock Tail, Secrets of an NBC Page. It's Shelley Herman. Shelley, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, and you saw that thing about me hosting a monster truck show. Wow. <laughs> I do a little research before because I want to get to know what the, the, the people do that uh, I'm interviewing. So, <laughs> so. yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I'm one of those people that says yes to opportunities. And 
and then just kind of see how it all works out. We, and, and in the case of this, it worked out very, very well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you, you mentioned that. I was looking through different things, and I saw that you had hosted that or co-hosted. And I read somewhere, and I, I didn't make a note of it, but somebody mentioned it in a movie or something or a TV show or something. Oh, like yes. I am name-checked in the Kevin Klein Tracy Ullman film, I Love You to Death. And there's a, a, a scene in the movie, it's a very funny movie, where Tracy Ullman tries to kill her husband, played by Kevin Klein, And it's based on a true story. And they have on the TV screen one of my monster truck episodes, and Kevin <laughs> Klein is eating spaghetti, and he falls asleep and just plops into the spaghetti. So seeing as how Kevin Klein is my 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 dream boat, I, I feel very honored to be in a movie with him. <laughs> now, did you ever find out why they had your your show playing on there? Was there, you know, was there some connection with one of the writers or something, or somebody in the prop department? You know, I don't know, except for the fact that his character was kind of a a, a schlubby, slothful kind of guy. So mm-hmm. it it would kind of, and I'm sure they couldn't license baseball or football footage. <laughs> so they probably went with this as being something that this horrible man would be watching on television. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. And and I'm sure you've got all kinds of interesting stuff like this in your book that you have out, My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page, correct? I, I have lots of fun stories that not only are my own stories, but um, I was able to connect with a lot of my my former page friends because of the pandemic and because of Zoom. Um, I have a certain group of friends and we've stayed really close over 40 years. And and we've all heard our stories over and over again. And now our children and grandchildren are hearing the stories. And once the world opened up to me with Zoom and we started hearing other stories, people kept saying, somebody should write this down. Somebody should write this down. And and to be honest, I thought like only smart people wrote books. So it hadn't really occurred to me right away to to do this. And then I thought, well, this pandemic isn't ending anytime soon. I might as well give it a try. And that's how the book came about. Wow. Now, how'd you come up with the title? Is this something that you decided on or was somebody else saying, hey, you know, you got to put this title on? I was working on the book and I was watching Jack Hanna. You know, he did yep. those wonderful wildlife shows. Yes. And he was, he was something with peacock tails that he was talking about. And I was half hearing it on the TV and I thought peacock tail. So that's where I got that from. And so thank Jack Hanna for that. (laughs) Yeah. It's all, there's always an interesting story to how a title of a, of a book comes about. I, I, I find that interesting how, you know, sometimes the, the, Publisher just says, okay, this is what we're going to use. I've heard that story. But uh, uh, most of them, there's an interesting little thing like what you just said. Well, and also there's a chapter in the book. um, I I changed a few names in the book because in in the instance of this particular story, I named the character Jake because it was somebody that I had dated and it was somebody that I had worked with and it, it didn't turn out well. And I just didn't want this person's family to know that he was the horrible man in the story. Um, so another source of inspiration, I'm, I'm trying to think of a name that none of my friends would guess who this man was <laughs> and um, watching a state farm commercial and Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Jake from state farm. So that's how I got his name. Cause 
nobody's guessed who this person is yet. So I'm, I, the name has been safe so far. It's worked out. That's good. Yeah. So, okay. So you decide to write the story, uh, the book, and uh, uh-huh. going back to your early days before you were a page, was that where you was the working as a page your first step into the business, or when you were young, is that what you wanted to be? How you know, take us back to that time period. I was lucky when I was in high school. I went to Agora High School, and we did a trip where we got to go to see a taping of the Midnight Special. And and I remember that the Jim Croce was one of the people we heard Gladys Knight and BB King. Wow, that's, that's who we heard that day. And I saw these people standing around that, that looked just a little bit older than me wearing these ugly polyester uniforms. <laughs> and they were getting paid to stand around and listen to rock and roll music as part of their job. And the only job I'd had up until that point was to be a volunteer usher at the Valley Music Theater in, in the Woodland Hills area in California. So it's the only thing I had for my resume. I thought, well, I'll apply for this job. Little did I know that having having an interview to become an NBC page is one of the toughest things you can do. Um, the, the figures that they cite now are they get about 16,000 online applications a wow. year. They interview about 2% of those people. And if you're not in LA or New York, that's cool too, because what they'll do now is they'll fly you either to the West Coast or the East Coast for an in-person interview, and they pay for all your expenses because they know it's tough for people in different parts of the country to get you know, into the city. It's expensive. So um, people can apply for that. You need to have a college degree, a pretty good little resume stacked up. Um, and with that said, the chances of getting into Harvard are better than becoming an NBC page. Wow. <laughs> so I, I kind of lucked into it uh, in part because of Elvis Presley. Uh, uh, a bunch of girls and I were working at Sears department store in, in, Woodland Hills. One of the girls' dads got us tickets to go see Elvis in Vegas. So we all piled in my Toyota, drove to Vegas, saw Elvis. If you saw the Austin Butler movie, it was exactly like that. It was just magical. It was the energy, the the sound, the people, the crowd. It was just phenomenal. So three of the girls that we went with, they just took off immediately to go hang out in Vegas. So I stayed with the girl who was the one who got us the tickets because I thought that was only polite since she's the one who organized all this. And we sat in the coffee shop at the International and ate cherry pie with ice cream and talked about our hopes and dreams. And I mentioned I'd like to be an NBC page. And she said, well, my mom's best friend works there. Let me have her give her a call. Two weeks later, I had my interview. Month later, I started my job. Wow. Gee, you must have been excited. Oh, I was, because I was sure that was going to be my ticket to fame. <laughs> and, and little did it, it know, like I started June 21st, 1976. So it's it's taken a little bit longer than I anticipated. But along the way, I had a lot of fun and made a lot of good friends. Yeah. Well, you, you were actually on screen with Johnny Carson. Right? Look at your book in the background there. <laughs> yeah, the cover of my book, my book's available on Amazon. And you'll see a picture from when I was um, on the show in September of 77. And I got to hand envelopes to Johnny Carson when he was doing a Stump the Band segment mm-hmm. for the show, which, which, that was always something that was announced at the last minute because 
if um, a guest was stuck in traffic coming to the show or they flaked out at the last minute and they needed 15 minutes to fill, they would have the stump the band segment. And what we were told is the person, the, the page who has the most seniority that night gets to do stump the band. And we were told you, you stand on the step right above Johnny and you hand him the envelope and you don't talk to him. But if he talks to you, go ahead and talk to him. So um, I was very, very nervous. And um, all of us pages would do something where the pages would stand on the sidelines and they would point like move to your left, move to your right so that our face could be seen on camera. And there was no videotaping back in the day. So we couldn't, you know, go home and tape it. We just had to like call our parents and they called their friends and their friends and their (laughs) friends. So everybody could watch it. But for my 40th birthday as a gift, my page friends got me a video clip of that particular segment. Wow. So I now have it. That's great. Gee. So I got to tell you a funny story. There was a guy, Courtney Conti. He got to do stump the band and um, Johnny was trying to get these two girls to like sing a silly song. And they were particularly well endowed women. So Courtney kind of ruffled through the envelopes real fast. And instead of handing Johnny an envelope that said, you know, dinner for two or tickets to Disneyland, he found um, something, an envelope, gave it to Johnny, and it was uh, a ride on the Goodyear blimp. So it worked out very well for jokes for Johnny with that. Hmm. Well, you know, sometimes that segment was more fun than, you know, no offense to the people who were on the show, but sometimes they were better. It was better than the people who were on the show. You know, they had, there was more personality. Exactly. I mean, that's what's missing today with talk shows is that first of all, the segments are a lot shorter Mm -hmm. and there's, they're so pre-interviewed and so scripted. And most of the time you'll find that if you get like a big star coming on who doesn't have a movie, they don't just come on for their health. They're like, here's my new skincare line, or these are my new exercise equipment or something. So there's always like a plug that's oh, yeah. built into yeah. these things. And of course the production company gets money from the sponsor of the segment. So I, you know, I do miss the days when Tony Randall would just sit there and tell stories or buddy Hackett, you know, or, mm-hmm. or doing just something, some silly little, you know, mighty Carson art player sketch, yeah. you know, where you could really get to see Johnny, you know, without the suit and tie on. Mm-hmm. It, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And it just brought his personality out and made you feel, you know, more personal with him. <laughs> you know, you knew well, him. <laughs> the, best, the best thing was when we were giving tours of the NBC Burbank facility, if if we got the one o'clock tour, that was like, that was great because at one fifty every day when Johnny was working, we would just coincidentally have the tours right there at the artist entrance so they could see Johnny. And Johnny was, you know, in street clothes. He wasn't wearing a suit and tie. And uh, very good physique, you know, like an Izod shirt and nice pants. And he would usually say something to the crowd like, you know, the tour is a ripoff, get your money back. Or, you know, and it would just, we we didn't have to say anything for the rest of the tour because I got to see Johnny. <laughs> Now, of all the things you did for uh, being a page, what what was the funniest thing that you ever had happen to you? Um, funniest, I, I would say it was a little awkward and it became funny. Or um, awkward, yeah, you know, just <laughs> just different. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could, well, um, I was really insistent upon having the pages take a CPR course because it was something new. Mm-hmm. And we were dealing with the public and, you know, thousands of people a day coming through the facility. So I, I finally got to take the CPR course. And sure enough, 
I was working in the line outside the Tonight Show, and I hear somebody yell, quick, somebody call an ambulance. So I start running in slow motion like $6 million man, and I'm like taking off my blazer to use as something to put the person's head on a pillow and look, listen, and feel all the things I just had learned in my CPR class. And I got there, and fortunately, the guy had not totally passed out. He just had fainted a little bit and was revived again. And I had, you know, everybody, you know, get away from him so that he could have oxygen. And I was fanning him a little bit. And his wife said, our son's a paramedic. You're doing a very good job. <laughs> so we put him in an ambulance, took him to the hospital. I offered them tickets to the Tonight Show the next night, but they weren't able to come because they had other plans. But about a month later, I get this ginormous box sent to me. And I couldn't imagine what it was. It's a 3M company on the outside. And it was a lovely thank you note from the man that I had helped and his wife. And it was filled with all kinds of tape, uh, you know, uh, packing tape, masking tape, tape to put curlers in your hair. I, and I was giving it to all the pages. And I, I had never had anybody from the, the public thank me for doing something like that again. And to me, that was just wonderfully silly and fun. But why tape? <laughs> I, I don't. Well, three M, the three M company. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had incidents with with celebrities where you know I was doing a limo run to the airport with uh, a certain celebrity who wanted to stop at Jack's house on Mulholland to get a little uh, Colombian marching powder. Uh, and I thought, no, 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 you're not bringing cocaine in this car with me. And I, you're not getting on a plane with cocaine. Uh, so I had to like kind of put a stop to that uh, because it was our job to be like NBC's ambassadors. We, right. we were to protect the talent. We didn't want them to get into any trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, three of the pages had this fabulous experience with Gilda Radner. And I, I, I have the whole story in the book. But basically, Gilda was out in L.A. for the first time. And she had four hours before the page had to take her back to the airport. And she turned to Pete and she said, I've never seen Hollywood show me Hollywood. So they piled in his Mustang. He and he asked two of the other pages to come with him, girls, uh, Linda and Melissa. And she put her hands in the handprints at the Chinese theater. And they went and got falafels and Stan's donuts, which was a big deal back in the day. And sure enough, while they're driving around Hollywood, Pete's car ran out of gas. And being the gentleman that he was, he sat in the car and steered the car while the three girls, Gilda being one of them, were pushing his car down Beverly Boulevard in front of CBS. They were pushing the car to get it to a gas station. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And she wrote him a lovely thank you note. If If you're into Gilda at all, you have to see this thank you note. It's so precious. In the time that you were a page, who was the, the person that you were most in awe of, of meeting? Let's see. There's a certain list I could go through, whether it would be Jimmy Stewart or Fred wow. Astaire or John Wade or Bob Hope. But I'm going to say it was um, Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. Yeah. And it, it happened very quickly. Um I was working at the 1977 Emmy Awards and I had escorted Sid Caesar and Emma Jean Coca, two of my heroes, mm. and they had just left in a limousine. I didn't have to take them home. They went off on their own. And as I was leaving them, another limousine pulled up and outstepped Alfred Hitchcock. Very old, a bit overweight, walking very slowly. And we had to get him 
backstage and put him on a certain mark because he was going to be a surprise guest on the show. So my friend Jeff Garrett and I are literally holding him as we go backstage. And I had done my senior paper in college on Hitchcock and I wanted to talk to him, but I couldn't figure out how to do it without, you know, looking like a total geek. You know, I was trying to be professional. And as I'm helping him over all the cords backstage in the darkness, he looks over at me and he says, you're doing a very good job. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, thank you. I did my senior paper on you. Ask me anything about you and I'll give you the answer. (laughs) And he kind of smiled at me. It was so sweet. And we got him just to the mark on time. And Jeff and I ran off stage and the curtains opened and, and there was Alfred Hitchcock for all the television audience to see. Wow. Now did they NBC tell you, you know, don't talk to these people, you know, just get them in, do what you have to do. Or did, did, did they mind if you conversed with them? You know, there was none of that. Don't look them in the eye, you mm-hmm. know, don't shake their hand. There was none of that kind of stuff going on back then. It, and and I think we kind of would be able to suss out a situation if somebody was affable or not. And more often than not, the, the celebrities were, were very kind to us and, you know, we would you know, carry their their clothing in if they were doing a, a Tonight Show appearance, or but, you know, if you're doing a game show, you you wear five different changes of clothes because they tape five shows all in one day. Yeah. So we would help the celebrities a lot, and in one case, um, Jimmy Stewart was in his dressing room uh, waiting to go on to the Tonight Show, and Lisa was standing in the hallways, and she was just kind of you know kind of sort of looking in the dressing room because. Jimmy Stewart had the monologue on and he said, you want to come in here and watch it with me? I mean, he was, he was very charming with, with her that way. Uh, most of the time, if we saw celebrities in the hallway, they would stop and, and talk to the the people on the tours. I mean, for, for every horrible celebrity who would just kind of give a wave and walk away, you'd have like John Wayne or Bob Hope that would would really you know engage with the crowd for a little while. So yeah. it was a wonderful experience that way. Hmm. Yeah, boy, that's I, I, I just can't imagine that the people that you met when you were doing that. You know, just so many different people, so, the legends, really. I mean, Jimmy Stewart, come on, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Bob Hope. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. Well, there's a picture of me with Jimmy Stewart in the book, and it's interesting because you would think there'd be tons of pictures that did oh take pictures what but we didn't have iphones back then and we barely had cameras back then and Mm -hmm. of course it wouldn't be professional to take pictures but jimmy stewart's driver um had asked if i could take a polaroid picture of him and jimmy stewart together and when i was done jimmy stewart said well why, why don't you let the little lady take a picture with me too so that's an old polaroid picture that's in the book that you know thankfully he's the one who initiated Wow. Uh, the photo, I didn't do that. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's incredible. You know, and like you say, some of them are, must be so nice. And then of course there's, I'm sure there's others that, <laughs> you know, weren't so nice. Well, there, I, I did have some me too kind of scary incidences a few times. And <clears throat> I, I'm very careful how I detailed it in the book because it was in a work atmosphere Mm -hmm. and I was only doing what I was told to do by being around this person. And in one instance, it was where I was interviewing for a job and the executive was dating my friend. And when he hit on me, I went back to my friend and said, "Uh, you know what? Your boyfriend's kind of a 
a jerk, you should get rid of him because this is what he, he said. If I slept with him, I'd get the job. And she looked at me and she went, uh-huh. She never talked to me again. She had just moved in with that guy. Oh, gee. And, uh, yeah. And she was really upset hearing that. So I, I, I was trying to do the girl code, you know, trying mm-hmm. to be cool and trying to tip her off, but it didn't work out. And in the, and in the other instance, I knew this, it was one, it was a celebrity and I knew him. We were friends. I'd already turned down his advances many times, but it got very scary at a certain point. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's in, it's in the book. Excuse me. It's something that I'm fine. It took me a while to process. And even doing the book, um, I had talked to my friend Pete and I had said, the guy that was in the Gilda story. And I said, you know, I don't know if I should tell the story. And he goes, oh, he hit on everybody. It wasn't just you. <laughs> and then I started feeling weird, like, well, why wasn't I special? Why did he hit on everybody? You know, so there's, yeah, but it's still not it's right. Wild. They shouldn't even be doing that. But that's exactly. That's what's, I mean, but I've had a chance with film festivals that I've worked on where you know you you meet some of these stars, some really big stars, legends, and things, and you get to know. You could tell some were really just nice people. Or maybe they were good actors. I don't know. <laughs> but then there's others that you see the, you know, being the person who's taking them around, you see what they're really like. And then when they get into the public, it's like, oh, you know, it's me, you know, that type of thing. And it, and you you start thinking, boy, you know, I, I thought this person was really, <laughs> really admirable. And now I know what he's really like, or she's really like, or whatever, you know. And well, and these people are these people are working. I mean, you you don't want to disrupt them, but maybe they're like going over the lines in their head. They're trying to get ready for work, and you don't want to interfere with their process. Or, mm-hmm. but you know, if some you know Andy Kaufman used to come sit in the commissary and have lunch with us. You know, he was like a great guy that way. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams too. They they. They weren't just staying in their own little clique of people. They 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 came around the masses. They yep. they enjoyed all, <laughs> they enjoyed our company, and and Robin was very helpful with me. Um, a girlfriend of mine and I had gone to the comedy store one night, and she wanted to try to get in with the comedy store players, which was an improv group. Mm-hmm. And um, Robin was there, and he knew us. So Robin looks at me, says, "Come up on stage and play around a little bit." So we did. And my friend didn't get the job, but I did. (laughs) So it was a little awkward, but as all things work out, I broke my leg the next day and couldn't do it anyway. So there you go. But that also led me to having a wonderful encounter with um, my, my hero, Harry Chapin. Oh, wow. And, and that's detailed in the book also. And, um, in in writing the book, I, I realized that it's it's all kind of come full circle for me, and it, I I actually had submitted the book to the publisher, and I and I had to ask for it back because something happened that I had to include in the book about I took a trip to London after I got my page job and before I started I had that two week period of time. And there was an incident that happened on the airplane when somebody died on the plane. Hmm. And the week I turned my book in, I was at a yard sale 
And I ran into a guy who had been on that same plane that I was on. He was one of the doctors who had tried to help this man. And it was the weekend of Queen Elizabeth's funeral. So we would talk, we were at a yard sale talking about the queen and we realized we had been on the same Pan Am flight and had witnessed this to me, a life altering event of a man dying on the plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had even, I was, I was like, I said, uh, yeah, do you remember where our plane put down? Cause we had to do an emergency landing. He goes, uh, Nova Scotia. I was, uh, and it was, he goes, no, 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 it was Goose Bay, Labrador. And he was right. And he 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 remembered another red-haired man that I'd remembered from the plane. So everything about this book comes full circle. It's you it's it's that old drop the pebble in the water and, and watch it ripple out. And the ripple effect has been wonderful in my life because I have kept in touch with so many of these people and we help each other get jobs and we support each other through illnesses and you know our parents dying and it's so many life events. And it's all because we had this wonderful experience of being pages together at NBC. Yeah. yeah. Well, Shelly, I, I hate to, to stop here. We're getting close to the time. But uh, I, I, it's fascinating hearing you tell these stories, and I'm sure you've got so many others. And people should definitely go out and get the book. It's called My Peacock Tales, Secrets of an NBC Page. And uh, where can they find the book? They can find it on Amazon, Shopify, or I can come to your house and read it to you. <laughs> any place they can get a, an autographed copy? Are you going to be at any locations or anything? Um, in the Los Angeles area, November 27th at Book Soup. In Palm Springs, December 3rd at Just Fabulous. And at Barnes & Noble in Palm Desert a week after that. I think that's the night that's a Sunday, in case anybody's in Palm Desert. But... Um, my email address is mypeacocktail, T-A-L-E, mypeacocktail at gmail.com. And if somebody wants to reach out to me there, if they, if they want something personalized, I'd be more than happy to do it. Great. Now, Shelly, I want to finish up with final question. This one everybody says is the toughest question, so we'll see. <laughs> Uh-oh. When you it's sit back. Math. It's not math, is it? <laughs> yeah, six divided by, no. Just no! <laughs> but uh, when you sit back and relax... What's your favorite TV shows now and of the past when you were growing up? And what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? Well, I do have guilty pleasure shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depending on my mood, it'll either be Golden Girls or Sex in the City. I mean, both have four women lead characters, Mm -hmm. so I do enjoy that quite a bit. Um, If I'm... If I if I happen to have see on like um, on a vintage TV show like on um, a me TV or something, I, it has to be the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh. That's that's like the number one show. And Sally Rogers, there she was, a woman writer, mm-hmm. and that was early modeling for me because I saw a woman who you know wore a nice dress, wore high heels, went to work. She was as funny and as smart as the guys, and got paid just like the guys. I had her as a guest on the show. Oh, Rosemary was a friend of mine. I I have her book back there on my shelf. Oh, yeah. She was terrific. She was was a tough lady, but she was terrific. Yeah, she went back into her history and, you know, but anyways. uh, Did you see her movie, Wait Wait for Your Laugh? When she was just a little kid? Yeah. 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 Yeah, she was, uh, she talked a lot about that too, about working for the mob and all that stuff. And it was just amazing. It's, It's just incredible. And as a tease for anybody listening to this, she tells in 
that documentary, why she wears a black bow in her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two reasons that she wears the black bow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shelly, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to share with us. And uh, I hope people go out and get your book, My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. This was a pleasure. And a big shout out going to Shelly Herman for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And be sure to catch her book, My Peacock Tale Secrets of an NBC Page. And uh, it's, it's so much fun to hear all the things that she uh, was telling us about. And there's just so much more in her book. You want to check that one out. So once again, thank you, Shelly, for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Well, it is uh, just about time for the finish of another episode of On Screen and Beyond. And uh, it's just uh, remember that if you have a suggestion for a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, you can email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and you can, uh, you know, make a suggestion, talk, whatever you want to do. Just uh, Or if you, uh, on Spotify, when you go, you know, if you click our link, it goes to uh, the Spotify for podcasters and it says, you know, you can click here and you can leave a message voice message for us and you can send that to me. So if you want to just, instead of writing it, you can just say it and I'll hear it. If it's something that a uh, suggestion or whatever, you know, that you want or whatever, it, it, maybe it'll be something we'll take and use on the air. I don't know. We'll see. It just uh, depends what you're saying. So uh, anyways, that's a way you can get in touch with me. And also, if you would tell a friend about On Screen or Beyond, really appreciate that. If you would leave us a five-star review, that's, uh, that's going to help a lot, too, on any of the podcast providers that you're on. So hope you can help us out. And that's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.